That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. It, it actually let me correct some of the stupid shit I said, so <laughs> it kind of worked out good. <laughs> I, don't, I, wish I, could, I wish I could do that. Can <laughs> <laughs> we go back and not record everything that I do on a daily basis? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman NDC podcast with no limits. Uh, we're going to take a quick trip around the round table tonight. We've got Bat Force Times in New York, Grandpa Batman in Texas. Shitter's full. <laughs> and I'm Rob Jones in Canada. All right, as you know, we like to cover sort of all the corners of the the comic world, the Batman world, whether it's comics, movies, collectibles, anything uh, to do with any of this world. So recently we've had on uh, guys like Paul Harding who are responsible for you know, the collectibles that, that fill our houses. And continuing with that tonight, we have... Another gentleman who is one of the one of the premier sculptors in the industry, uh, doing work on characters from DC, Marvel, Star Wars, movie properties for DC collectibles, uh, Diamond Select, Sideshow collectibles, you name it. You probably have twenty to thirty uh, pieces of this guy's work in your house. Joining us tonight for the first time, Mr. Joe Mena. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, I know you've and had a bit of a busy day. Night, Paul's, Paul's one of my best friends in the, in the industry, so it's, he's a great act to follow. He's, Paul is one of the best sculptors that I've ever met, so it's an honor to be on the same podcast as Paul. Thanks, Paul. Joe, i, I got to admit, back when uh, the whole Instagram phenomenon started, you were one of the people that I first noticed and and paid attention to for your your sculpting artwork in fact you're like my granddaddy because you sculpted the little figurine for the dark knight returns part one batman little figure yeah um i i did i did the you know dc collectibles um was was doing a lot of of minifigures to go along with the premium uh blu-rays and stuff like that and mm-hmm. so I, 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 uh, the first Batman related one that I did was actually the Red Hood for Under the Red Hood. Mm. And um, I did, uh, uh, it was kind of Batman. I did Owlman, right, from uh, the, um, uh, was it Crisis on Two Earths? And, okay. then, um, and then I did the Dark Knight Batman. I did the Dark Knight Joker. So you're to blame for me <laughs> and all my, and how much in debt I am. But anyway, oh, that's that's yeah. the figure that you uh, named it's your like really yeah, that, Batman segment that, right there. It's like you that is first. Yeah, yeah, that is really what I, I got this little figurine. I thought, oh, that'd be kind of kind of funny to uh, 
take these random photos of this little grandpa Batman doing stupid shit. People liked it. I don't know. So that's what started all of this. Awesome. That is true. Wow. So that's like the Grandpa Batman origin story? Yeah, that's the Grandpa Batman origin story from this little figurine that came with that Blu-ray. I think I remember that. That was a long time ago, but I remember that. Like, And then you would put him on the top of the records. Yeah, and the well, name now, stuck. Yeah. Now it's cool with, um, with what DC Collectibles is doing, uh, miniaturizing the Batman Black and White series. I very recently got, um, I was able to get one of the uh, Dustin Nguyen, the Batman Black and White that I did many, many, many years ago. Yes, and, uh, that one was that was one of my favorite projects. What, the, the Batman Beyond? No, no the other one. I don't know. This is like the Batman real start. Dustin with oh. Dustin's hold and his cape's going in all different directions, and he's kind of striding. Mm. Um, right. Dustin did this incredible like, concept art, and um, Jim Fletcher, were, uh, <coughs> head of collectibles, was my art director. It was a great project to work on. Mm. Shout out to Jim Fletcher. I think he's coming on after you. Uh... Next week, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's tomorrow we're recording with him. <laughs> Jim, Jim, Jim's the whole reason that I, I um, Jim's the whole reason that I'm, um, I work at DC Collectibles. So I, I met uh, somebody at, there was a Wizard World Philly in 2008, mm. and DC had a booth, but they wouldn't, um, they didn't have, it was, it was a Toy Fair uh, Awards, uh, Wizard World, and it was, um, DC didn't have any, uh, toy presence there but somebody gave me the uh business no somebody wrote down the phone the the email of the head of then dc direct that person then uh forwarded my forwarded my work after i emailed him he forwarded my work to jim and i called jim every month on the month for an entire year i emailed him rather every month on the month for an entire year and then um my very first project for dc collectibles was uh was was a window which ultimately they had me sculpt batman coming out of after they said they liked the window they said you want to sculpt this coming out of it and it was batman and i fell out of my chair you know that was, <laughs> was that yeah uh, is that the gotham city stories piece it's exactly it i got it right here in my yeah. studio yeah uh did you do the whole series of those pieces or uh just the batman one i did i did the whole set yeah um batman um joker Robin and Harley and Catwoman. Yeah, it was wow. very old school pieces. Uh, what was your avenue into getting into art? Like, what what made you decide that this was what you wanted to do? Was was there a, an artist or some piece of work that you saw that uh, led you to this? Comics. When I was four years old, I mean, I've been drawing since I was like two. My mom told me, but comics were really um, comics were really my my biggest inspiration as as a kid and uh you know i mean i saw jack kirby and i just thought like what the hell is this you know and i just thought it was really really um interesting i mean like as a four or five year old you know i'm buying like you know uh, i think one of the earliest comics that i had wasn't uh, it was when jack was still with dc doing commandi and it's the issue i forget the number do i have it here no on the wall, um, I have it somewhere. The issue where uh, Kamandi discovers Superman's suit, and um, I just it just blew me away. And then also, uh, you know, I inherited a box of. Uh, I used to look at my uncle had a box of about two hundred sixty DCs, 
and um, from the 1960s. And I, that's how I discovered Neil Adams. Neil Adams, from, from I, I like to say that like Jack Kirby invented the modern comic, and Neil Adams made made them real, made it real, made them real. You know, mm. so it was like Jack and Neil for me were like the alpha and omega of like um, everything, and, and all the stuff that came in between. John Byrne, you know, every everybody, Walter Walter Simonson, and then I love classics like Kurt Swan, and I like even like you know. Um, Wayne Boring drawing Superman, like all kinds of crazy. That that stuff really, really got to me. I wound up uh, eventually pursuing uh, fine art as a fine art, a fine art sculpture path. Uh, in the middle of that, I actually interviewed with DC to be a penciler, and um, uh, with Paul Kupperberg, who told me that um, my I didn't know how to tell stories, but my drawing was good. And he asked me if I wanted to try inking, and I insisted that I was a penciler. And he said it like two more times, and I insisted that I was a penciler, as you know, <laughs> being very obtuse and only 25. And so uh, then I tried out with Valiant, and after a couple of goes, that actually worked out. But I um, set my heart on studying classical sculpture, and I went to Russia, and that's where I finished off my traditional sculpting um, mm. education. Wow. Are you a Bernini fan by any chance? Very much so. Uh, my favorite sculptor of all time is is, is Michelangelo. Tandem mm. uh, with a French sculptor named Antoine Bordel, Emil Antoine Bordel. Mm. He's kind of like the father of the modern monument. Right. Um, and uh, those two guys are my biggest influences sculpturally, along with Rodin. But my favorite artist of all time isn't related to comics or anything. It's uh, it's Van Gogh. Mm. Um, I mean, over any over over. My two, I mean, my two all-time favorite artists, period, are David David Bowie and, and Vincent Van Gogh. Mm. Did you? I don't know if you saw. I think it was on Instagram. Uh, I forgot what museum. There was a, a, a photo, um, a video recently of them moving Starry Night in for cleaning, I believe, or something like that. And uh, yeah, I think I think that was at the Musée d'Orsay. I was just there actually in August. Yeah. And what they is, I think they just redid that whole room. Right. So they pulled all that stuff out of there, and I saw pictures of guys carrying his paintings, like, very gingerly. But, like, I was surprisingly with just gloves, and I'm like, these are, like, multi-gazillion-dollar paintings. I know. That are just being basically manhandled. That's how, I, that's how I felt when I held the, the first appearance of Batman in my hand once. My hand. It felt so weird. I didn't, I didn't get to hold it, but I got to see it in the DC archives. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was it was a coverless copy, but it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and take pictures, and um, I saw Action Comics number one there, and I saw um, <laughs> uh, Wiz Comics number one, right? Mm. Um, or was it was it Wiz Comics number one, or is it number two? Was Wiz Bang Comics number the first issue? I forget, but I'm a big Shazam fan. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, in addition to Batman and Superman, that's like my trinity right there. Nice. Did you like the movie? What did you think of the movie? I thought Shazam was fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think the Joker, though, um, completely reestablished what a comic-related film can be. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's... I'm not, for me, Superman 1 was always the greatest superhero film of all time. It was just classic. You know, this optimistic... It just, it just channeled Superman. Everything about what Superman is... Mm. And Christopher Reeve and Richard Donner, you know, in tandem did that perfectly. But the Joker, man, I mean, I'm like, that might be the greatest comic film of all time. I don't know, man. I yeah. think, yeah, you know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, when I uh, 
when I started reading the reviews, people said that this is going to change things forever. And, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because, you know, some of these headlines sound similar to others. But after seeing it, I go, this is this movie's definitely set a new bar. It's just it's changing the way we see yeah, everything. Right. Like I thought, I thought Logan was like the artsiest comic film that I'd ever seen, and at the time it was. But Joker doesn't even. Joker is like like the deer hunter or taxi driver. I mean, it's like a heavy duty film. It's like it's high art. I think. Yeah, it, it stays it, with you too. It, it, it really yeah, stays. Right. If they don't get some nominations, and if they, I, I'll be cool if they don't get any awards. But if they don't get any any nominations right. for the Academy Awards, I'll be really disappointed. But, uh, given given uh, how well it did at Venice, I don't know if that's if it's always the case that it goes this way, but I feel like how well it did at Venice, you know, it won the highest honor there. I feel like that to some degree should dictate that it has to get some some Oscar respect. Yeah, I would think so too. And I, I got a little bit con- confused. I'm sorry for going off scope. No, nah, it's cool. It's cool. But I was a little bit confused. You know, uh, John Wick three is like a first person shooter where he's killing somebody every three seconds. You know, more than that, even. Yeah. And there was no concern. Everybody's all cool about that. But the Joker, because there might be a a, um, a facet of mental illness. This before the film came out. Everybody's making assumptions. So before, because there might be a, a connection to mental illness and, and violence and everybody is all freaked out about it. But, you know, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it's been out for a while. It's the film's nowhere near as violent as John Wick, you know. John Wick is actually the same example that I use to to combat this criticism of people you know saying how violent it is, but like, what maybe ten people die in the whole two plus hours of that movie, and that's like five minutes in a John Wick movie. Exactly, I feel the same way. I, I thoroughly enjoy the Marvel films. I'm not, you know, I'm a freelancer. I can't say I'm a company man because I don't work for the company. But DC has been my favorite publisher since I was a little kid, maybe because of that early exposure to my uncle's collection and just the fact that, you know, I had the I, I grew up at the time when the filmation Superman, Batman, Aquaman uh, cartoons were still on television. And you had, of course, the Batman 66 show on television. And then you had the Super Friends on television and you had Spider-Man. And, and I know you had the Captain America and the Hulk. They weren't done as well, and they were only available in certain markets. So, like, um, there was a lot of exposure to, and, and the Shazam TV show was major, major influence on me as a kid. So, I, DC was just my thing, and I always felt like DC had a like, more optimistic. Like, DC was a place where I, the, the DC universe was some was was always someplace that I wanted to go. The Marvel universe was filled with characters that had like real world problems and anxieties and, and issues and you know any 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 young kid or especially teenager has enough of those on their own don't get me wrong i love me and my x-men you know and i was all about you know I, my collection 50 50 but i still love dc uh, more and I, to this day that stands true even if they stop giving me work i think that's uh that's been i think predominantly um, more people that have been into comics for a long time like that. I think you hear more uh, people that uh, were into DC from the start. And I think that uh, a lot of Marvel characters haven't gotten the 
widespread respect that DC characters have until recently. Like I'll, the current movie universe has really opened up characters like Iron Man that were really treated like C-list characters in the comics up and until Guardians, Alex, I, was, I was just thinking about this in the car the other day. I'm like, who the hell really heard about the Guardians of the Galaxy? I mean, granted, I have like Marvel superheroes at what is it, number seventeen or I have the first appearance of the Guardians, and I had all, like all the Jim Valentino Guardians when that when they came out in the '80s. I'm 49, so I, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a child of the '70s and '80s in terms of comics, um, but I still read them to this day, just by collections instead of single issues. But you're exactly, I think I agree with you 100. percent You know, it was the it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, Ant Man. I mean, stuff like, you know, all this all the exposure that these characters are getting is great. But I think the DC pantheon is exactly that. It's a pantheon. They're like characters from Greek mythology. Superman's like Hercules and Wonder Woman's, you know, like, um, well, she literally is Diana. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. And, and, and the, the, it's just really, really cool, I think, the way that um, DC's, DC's universe, I just think, has a mythic resonance. Uh, without, you know, Thor, all right, they made, Jack made a mythic world, mm. you know, Asgard, Asgard real. Yeah. But um, DC is kind of like, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying DC is like filled with gods, you know, They've, that's always been the, the whole complex, like, you know, Superman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, <laughs> and our only, our, one of our two of our only humans, like Batman, it's like one of the, the most applauded characters in fictional history. So it's... Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot more presence when DC characters for some reason with me. I like like you said, like, I think it's like in the Marvel universe they have real life world problems and they're more relatable. But like in, in the DC universe, yeah, they're, they're and they always had the like deep power super. They always had they always had the, like every 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 five ten years every ten years they had to power down Superman. You know. Yeah, yeah. Now they want to like reveal his identity or something. What was that in the in the news? I think they're going to do that. But I'm you know it always goes. It's always cyclical. Yeah. I mean. It's, it's not the first time, and I, I really think that what um, Brian Michael Bendis, I, yeah. I think what Bendis is doing with Superman is is, is incredible. Yeah. I, it's my favorite run. I mean, my all my my all time favorite Superman book is All Star Superman, but my all time favorite run was John Burns, and I think Bendis's run is 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 a close second to that. Wow. Oof. Yeah, and it's it's actually Bendis that uh, is doing the identity reveal, so. Hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy that just as much. Yeah, I trust it. Nice. Uh, just to go back a little to sculpting. Uh, now, your process. Uh, do you enjoy more traditional sculpture, or, or have you like fully integrated into like the ZBrush way of doing things? Um, I'm going to sound really immodest here. Uh, I'm I'm exclusive exclusively digital, and have been my entire career in the toy and collectible industry. Mm. I've been throughout my entire career in the toy and collectible industry, and I had the distinct um, honor of doing the first ever digital statue for Bowen Designs. Mm. Uh, Randy approached me to see if I wanted to do a, a Mephisto from John Bushima. Wow. Mm. And uh, I said, how about doing a digital Lee? And he was like, never did it before, but okay, let's see how it goes. Yeah, wow. That was like back in 2007. Yeah. Um, Which sounds like yeah. it was yesterday, but it was like, what, 
12 years ago already 13 it's crazy yeah i know don't get me wrong like general giant a whole bunch of other people like i'm not the first person in dc to work digitally had colby jukes who did the dark knight joker and batman statues and then you had also olaf hartfixen who did a batman family multi-part statue for them general giant was digital pioneer, one of the major digital pioneers in the industry so there were there were a lot of people there were many people doing digital uh statues and the toy companies were digital at the time i did i did the iron monger for the first iron man film mm. for Ken, uh, kenner right hasbro um and um but i i got in on the ground floor as one of the uh early guys at dc working digitally now everybody does just about yeah um if not completely at this point i think um there were there were there was there was one one master sculptor who I know is still working uh, traditionally, but I think he's also working digitally now. Mm. I don't name him name him because I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent the facts. But um, the digital digital is just another way of working. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, I mean, I know Gene Saint Jean is still working traditionally, and uh, Gene Saint Jean's another one of my my best friends in the business, and and also. I mean, I call him Gene Saint Genius. The guy is just incredible. Hmm. Um, if you've seen his work, I'm sure you've seen his work. He's done uh, a ton of work for DC Collectibles. He just did that recent. Um, I think he just did that recent Lee. But he just did that recent statue. I think the DC Collectibles put out of his of that of his version mm, of that. Right. I think I think that was Gene, and he he's done a ton of ton of uh, Batman stuff for Diamond uh, Batman sixty six stuff. Mm. And uh, he he used to work at McFarlane. He's one of the most prolific sculptors in the history of the entire industry. Yeah, we had uh, we had uh, Paul Harding on recently, uh, who I, I know we spoke about before. He's one of the one of the top guys in the industry too, and he told us some stories of uh, you know, originally working, you know, with sculpting clay, and you know some some things that uh, that occurred while he was doing that, and you know that he enjoyed doing that, but. Uh, how transitioning over to doing things digitally has uh, you know made life easier, and he can work on a, a larger volume of projects this way. I like to say that Paul Harding kind of is the industry because I've never seen anybody as prolific as him. It's every time I see a credit on a job, it's Paul Harding. It doesn't matter what the company <laughs> is. And I say that with love, man. That's good for him. You know, I, um, I, like I said, I, I have a, I have a full time job that I'm not at liberty to talk about. But, you know, Paul's out there doing it full time and he's he's just kicking ass, you know, and, and I, I wish him all the success in the world because, you know, he he works his ass off and he's he's great. And he, uh, he's also one of the best guys you'll ever meet. He is. Absolutely. And he's he's totally real. Mm. And um, he's 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 a, he's a great person. Who Did he do the Batman TMNT stuff? Or who was that? Yeah, I believe he did. I believe yeah. he did most of it. There may be. There may be one figure done by another sculptor. Um, I think I know who it is. I just mm. don't remember exactly. Mm. See, that's the trend that I like going on right now is that uh, cartoon accuracy and comic book accuracy with figures. So we're seeing like uh, the Batman team and T line is like it's look. It looks like they jumped right off the t- the screen from the animating. It's just so well done with the paint dabs and like things yeah. I'm seeing like uh, I'm sorry. Film. No, I'm saying I have that film, and I, I I can't I can't do anything but agree. I think they're perfect. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's kind of strange how accurate they are when you can, when you go 
from two dimensional animation to three dimensional figure, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's really. And cool. that's just an artist and their eyes. That's just Paul and his eyes doing that. You know, you can put background images or overlay images on top. Mm. But there's no button with sculpting digitally. It's it's just as difficult, if not more, in many respects, as sculpting traditionally because it's so technical. And there's so many different processes that you have to learn and assimilate, and it's constantly changing and evolving, mm. and software keeps getting more and more complex. Mm. That, um, and, and then you have all these video game artists and film artists coming into collectibles, and they have very, very profound skill sets mm. that are very different from what the traditional sculptor's skill set is. So it's, they, they know how to do all kinds of texturing and different types of mapping, really complicated stuff. So... It's, it only pushes all of us to get better, you know. I don't know of anybody who doesn't like anybody, really. I don't know of anybody who's not really part of it. Like, when you go to SDCC, it's a huge feeling of community and camaraderie. It's, um, you know, there's a great sculptor named Steve Kiewis, uh Very, very famous toy sculptor. Dark Horse even published a book about him. And he's one of my, another one. I, everybody's my best friend in the industry, industry but Steve really is too. <laughs> one of them. And uh, he told me he's like, you know, um, we travel to this convention or to these conventions because these are where our best friends are. You know, we see them once a year, but we all come from all over the country and all over the world because of our common passion and our our common love of of what we do, and and that's what unites us. So it's really an incredible industry to be a part of, and it's treated me really well. I'm very grateful. Now you've got a lot of uh, stuff coming out here for the late 2019 and 2020. Right now, I'm looking at this X-Men Cyclops from Diamond Select. That came out really nice. That's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I was very uh, um, Chuck, the 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 the, the, the showrunner Diamond um, offered <coughs> me that series to work on, uh-huh. and I had a pre-existing commitment with another company. So I was only able to work on the first two, um, Cyclops and Wolverine. Thank you for that. And that was really, really challenging. And I worked with a great art director. Um, but because I had to jump off and, and, and move on to a, uh, move back onto a project that I thought was dead. Um, Paul Harding <laughs> did the rest is, is, is working on, uh, did the succeeding ones that I've seen so far. So, and I'm, I'm laughing because I think it's funny because this, this, I think we're, this is like a Paul fan club podcast today. <laughs> yeah. How long, funny. like, like but, on this Cyclops mini bus, like how long would it take to do a, a project like that? Well, because I'm working exclusively on the weekends, it usually takes me about a month, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, three weeks to a month. Yeah, it depends. There's some jobs that take a long time. Uh, there's, 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 just because they're stylized doesn't make them any easier necessarily right you you guys i don't know if you've seen i've done a lot of stylized work i've done Mm -hmm. especially like for the dc artist alley line and um then i um you know just batman related i've done a lot of stylized stuff i've done a lot of realistic stuff my most recent piece to be revealed was a real was it was was based on the work of alex ross it was a 12 inch deluxe um, Alex Ross Batman designer series statue not 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 to promote well it's not mine I I, I was the sculptor but and Ray Tyra was the art director and um, I've done a lot of projects with Ray over at DC 
But Ritley. still, that is that is that's pretty awesome to be given oh. Alex Ross. I mean, that was, that was really, that's what that stands is one of my all time favorite projects. I mean, that was that was really challenging to do. It was it was a, the, a just total joy every step of the way, and um, it was a great honor. I'm a huge Alex Ross fan, like all of us, to be able to have that opportunity for me. Um, it's just one of the highlights of my my any any aspect of my sculpting career. That's one of my favorite things that I've worked on, fine art, otherwise. It's just that was awesome. I mean, and to get like that seal of approval for taking his 2D image and turning it into 3D. I mean, that's got to be like top of the world. I, none of that was communicated to me. I, I don't know what that approval process was. Um, I'd like to think that 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 he has seen it. That would that would really mean a lot to me. But it's it's it, it it'll it'll be enough to me um, if just collectors dig it because uh, that's my whole philosophy. It's like you know my first my first customer is my client, but ultimately it's about like the ability like the. I think the, the collectibles are so cool because you get the opportunity to make stuff that makes people happy. And there's like, so there's a great response with, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, that kind of thing. But it's in, you know, seriously though, because you know, there's people that m money's not easy to come by, especially these days. So whether you're, 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 you're you know, w working for uh, just scraping by or you have a lot of money, people, pe if, if people are willing to invest their hard-earned cash on these products, I feel it's my job to do the best possible job that I can do. And also to honor the character. Like anytime I get an opportunity to sculpt a character, no matter who it is, I try and make it like an homage to that character. So right. That, you know, so that, you know, like now things are so specific. You know, um, you have artists names linked to the collectibles and stuff like that but little 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 earlier back it was more like you're sculpting a character and i can throw a little jim apparo in there because that version was cool and i could throw a little bit of neil adams in there and throw a little bit of marshall rogers in there because these are, i know that the, this character has so many different facets and i know that all these different fans like all these different versions and 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 you're of course you're art directed and you're, I'm not saying that that you're taking license but I just look at each opportunity to sculpt a statue as, as a tribute to that to that character and that character's history except when it's like real specific like when I did like the Arkham City Grundy statue I mean act, the deluxe action figure that mm -hmm. had to be specific to the game that, that was not an homage that was that was that was like that had to be the game and that wasn't done from digital files or anything like that that was all sculpted there's other projects that I've worked on where they, they I'm not talking about DC collectibles necessarily, but just in general and in, industry wide, you know, there are times when you're given files to work from and that's no fun, honestly. And it's actually more work than sculpting stuff from scratch. But right. uh, yeah, it's actually a pain to do that. And I, I, I haven't been offered that kind of work in, in a long time, luckily, because I really, um, I'm happy for any work. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it's more fun to sculpt something from scratch. Uh, you've referenced uh, the art directors on a few of the projects that that you've worked on, and you know everyone that we speak to does. But uh, I've never bothered to ask what is the relationship between you and the art director on a given project. Uh, like, is it how much leeway do you have? How much are they exactly directing you? The art director is your partner and boss, basically. 
Um, you know, sometimes you just get a bunch of panels from a comic book. Other times you get full, you know, full, full front, side, back views or whatever. Uh, very, very, very specific control art, it's called, you know. And um, a lot of that time, uh, when it's just a bunch of comic book panels, you have a little more leeway to put the thing together. And then the art director guide you, you know, a little more here, a little less there, make this a little taller, a little shorter, whatever. When it's very specific to an image, like very specific to an image, then that image is your Bible and your art director um, make sure that you stay on model, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I, I, I work with a bunch of great art directors at a bunch of different, bunch of great companies. And it's, I'm not calling them all great because I'm trying to keep getting work from them. It's just, you know, um, the only bad experience, bad experiences that I've ever had in this business are ones that I created for, for myself. So uh, you find that uh, different guys that you've worked with uh, give different levels of leeway. Some guys are, are a little tighter on what they want you to do and others maybe trust you a little more and just let, let you do what you're going to do. Yes and no. It's more like different art. Yes and no. It's more like different art directors have different styles. Like some direct almost exclusively verbally. Some draw overlays. Some do a combination of both. Um, at this point, most of the art directors that I'm, all of the art directors that I'm working with, I've worked with for years. So the trust is definitely there, I like to think. It's been a while since I took on a new client because I've worked for DC Collectibles, Sideshow Collectible, Diamond Select Toys, also who, who are now also General Giant, who I did a lot of work for, Dark Horse Comics, Pop Culture Shop Collectibles, Bowen Design. If I'm, if I'm leaving anyone out, it's just because I have... Uh, a little bit of, of bad memory. Yeah, I mean those 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 are the ones that I've, that I pop culture shot for a long time ago. I did a giant, of course, Joe Judge Dredd for them, um, for my friend Jerry Macaluso, who used to own the company, who created who created and owned the company. But yeah, it's been a it's been a um, it's been a great ride with with all these different companies, and um, I can't work for them all at the same time. So I kind of you know do a couple here, a couple there, a couple here, a couple there, and I go around robin but um the majority of my work over the past uh, i've done more work for dc than any anybody that's for sure i think okay. the most recent thing that i've seen you uh post was a a work in progress shot of a joaquin phoenix joker uh, is that uh for something official or is that just something you're doing no that was just a that was just a fan art project <laughs> um because there was so taken by the film i wanted to, i wanted to do a kind of like more sculptural interpretation not do a hyper realistic version but just like if i were sculpting that in clay that's the way i would do it and um that was real that was a lot of fun to work on i've, I've done a lot of fan art stuff if you go on my instagram on my instagram page i have done like rutger hauer as mm -hmm. as roy batty harrison ford as um as, uh, Rick Decker, even Leon and, and J.F. Sebastian and Rachel and um, I did a whole series of Blade Runner things and mm. 2049 came out. I've, I've done uh, a lot. Of, I do a lot of drawing as well. I do. I've, like, I saw you do. Uh, I saw you do a piece of uh, the band Ghost. Was that uh, recreational or was that something official? That was just for fun, and I'm going to go see <laughs> it tomorrow night for the fourth time. Oh wow! Oh cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing a ghost shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, well, I, I hope that someone will tap you uh, real soon to do uh, a Joaquin Joker piece. Mm. I that that stuff to that would be a dream. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of product for that film out there. Um, I don't know if there is any product actually. I don't. Yeah, it's been weird. Yeah. Like they held back on a lot of uh, merch for it. Almost all kind of merch for it. kind of um, what's the word? They weren't promoting it at New York Comic Con, from what I understand either. It was, uh, but there was I also skipped. controversy yeah. going on too with the media and potential shootings. I don't know. It's just, it's just been so weird. This movie's a really strange anomaly and a gift as well <laughs> to us it's just so it came out of nowhere and uh yeah did you go to new york comic con yeah we were there and uh yeah i'm only 90 minutes away i had, I had my four-day pass and i was just so tired from traveling i've been doing a lot of traveling lately yeah. i just i just couldn't i just couldn't do it um and new york comic con takes a lot of energy too like yeah 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 i, I, I live within within easy trainer drive uh, to the show but i just couldn't do it i usually go every year and i do toy fair do you just walk around toy fair with your chest out and <laughs> big big cock swinging around me they could care less because that's a buyer's show oh. so all 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 the people that are in attendance there are like in suits and stuff which is great <laughs> i'm not knocking it they're the man if it wasn't for the buyers there wouldn't be anyone to move the product so Right, but mm. it's not really a show for for artists or fans. It's it's oh. it's a business person show, mm. and, yeah. and and you, you need that show. You know, you, you just like you need the licensing show out in Las Vegas, and you need all these different types of trade shows to uh, keep the uh, industry rolling along. I suppose. Mm. Now, when you when you do a sculpt like you know the X Men Cyclops, when you you get that, do they send you a a comp piece to kind of see it in the flesh or do you uh different companies provide different um some companies don't offer any samples other companies offer uh um a lot of samples so it kind of it it kind of um averages out in between somewhere there but you know there's some there's some products that i've done that i haven't gotten samples for but i understand why Mm. um because of their their because of their because of their expense there's cases where even if i don't get a sample where i mean i'll go out and get it you know on my own you know because i feel really strongly about it you know i really (laughs) enjoyed working for all the different companies i've over the years um you know the three companies that have done the most for it dc sideshow collectibles Mm. and uh and diamond select toys have all all been really great to me Mm. sideshow uh was gracious enough to do an artist profile on me a video uh, like I saw that year. on YouTube. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they 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 they're very very kind to me. That's um, cool. Give me a lot of great work, a lot of really challenging projects. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been working with um uh, I've just been been working my my pro- project manager I've been working with there uh named Kevin Ellis. I did a lot of stuff with him like the Death Trooper. Mm. And um the Job of the Hut, six scale uh big six scale figure. Wow. And uh yeah, and I've done some some stylized work for them, and uh, doing a lot of stylized work lately for different companies, and it's it's very challenging. And mm. um, like, yeah, I don't know if you saw like the like for Batman, you know, I'm just trying, I'm trying to focus on Batman, uh, the Chris Minga artist Alley Batman figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, those are popular. You know, yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> Chris is a great, great artist. Sideshow actually did a Batman related project too. I did the 
um, Batman Returns, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, quarter scale statue. Wow. That's and um, that, I think, does Tom have that one? I think. I think, I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's a, that that's was, amazing because people were waiting for that for so long. That like that Catwoman piece was so high in demand. Michelle that was Pfeiffer. a great opportunity. I, that's one. That's one of only three premium format. That's one of only three quarter scale statues that I've done. Did the, the Death Trooper specialist. Did the Judge Dread for pop culture. The Catwoman, and then Jabba. Even though he's a six scale figure, technically he's 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 as big as a premium format statue. I mean, he's he's really really big. Mm. That was that was awesome. I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. Star Wars is like <laughs> comics are huge. I mean, mm. comics are, are major for me, but Star Wars is like in my DNA. As soon as I saw Star Wars, it burned itself into my retina, mm. <laughs> the backs of my retinas, and uh, it's just part of part of the, like my the fabric of who I am mm. as much as comics or anything else. Original trilogy only, mm. or do you love all the the prequels and the new new generation? I I, I love everything, including Caravan of Courage. Ewok uh, Adventure. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in, man. <laughs> Prequels. Nobody ever talks about Caravan of Courage. I must have watched that a hundred times as a kid. I have the Ewok cartoon. I have like the old, they only put a couple episodes of the Ewoks and Droids cartoons on VHS, but I have those. I love Clone Wars. I love Rebels. I have. I don't watch the new kind of. I don't watch the new show. I haven't. I haven't seen that because I don't have cable anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't watch the episodes online. Hmm. I think it's called it's something about the resistance. Uh, I forget. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I, 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 I love the I love the the prequels actually. Hmm. I, I get it. You know that they're not well received by a lot of people, and I understand them. The, I just I think they get I think they get increasingly better. You know, I think you start off with Phantom Menace, hmm. and then Attack of the Clones gets a little bit better. And by the time I think you know I think we're, we're I think. I think that the Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi. Frankly, that's just me. I'm not saying I'm right. You know, it's mm. just my, my preference. But then when you have something like Rogue One, that's just incredible. You know, it's like, yeah. From your perspective, what do you think about like this time we're living in now, where collectibles such as action figures and statues and premium format figures, it's like through the roof now there's never been a time when we we we've have we have more of this stuff now than we ever had before. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And like the work just keeps coming in because this stuff doesn't die down. You know, even like you know, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, uh, horror, uh, I don't know, anime, manga, anime, all these different genres that everyone loves. It's just, you know, we're just flooded with this stuff in all different formats of collectibles. It's, uh, I mean, from your perspective, it's like, would you say it's like a hell of a time to be alive? I think it's great. Um, it makes me a little bit nervous mm. because, you know, I mean, like when the market crashed, what was that, 2009? I, I, I didn't, I mean, because, you know, I make my living off of it. Yeah. So, you know, when the market crashed in 2009, I, I didn't see any, 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 um, any, uh, any decrease in my workload. Right. And, um, you know, I think it's wonder. It's a wonderful time to be a fan and it's a wonderful time to be a professional and it's a wonderful time to, to be both. I, I, <laughs> it's not a wonderful time not, to be a wallet. <laughs> not a wonderful time to be what? <laughs> to be a wallet. <laughs> yeah, I get you, man. Well, that's why I get the samples. Um, yeah, but I mean, not for, not for, not for comics. I mean, I my wife gets pissed at the amount of comics I buy sometimes. <laughs> but um, you know, no, she's 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 cool. She's awesome. My wife's a tattoo artist, and um, and uh, the, she's actually the best artist that I know personally. 
Wow. And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. I'm her biggest, I'm, I'm like her biggest fan. And if I could be half the artist that she is, I'd be in a, in a much better position mm. in the collectibles industry. But anyway, um, I think that like, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it by thinking about it. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Cause I'm really grateful for how things are going right now. There's... But yeah, the, the volume of, uh, how quickly stuff comes out is so high now. I can remember back when there used to be, you know, like maybe every couple of months there was a statue or figure that, uh, that I wanted to pick up, you know, that would come through the shop. But now I'm lucky if there's a week that something doesn't come in with that week's shipment that I'm like, Oh yeah, I was waiting for that. Mm. That's why I think the market has to be careful and, and, and not get too greedy because, you know, there's only so much shelf room that people have and, collectors can only come of age um so quickly you know i remember way back when even like 10 years ago people talking about like well you know collectors are going to run out of room and the market's going to collapse this is when i was doing stuff for for randy bowen i i don't know i don't i don't i don't don't know what's going to happen I hope it could be. Well, that, that aspect of the market is why I think uh, Diamond Select has been really smart over the last few years because they've gotten into those gallery pieces that, that uh, I, I know the you've PVC. been now. Yeah, all those PVC gallery statues. You're getting these statues that, especially if you look at them from a few feet away, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. You can't tell that it's not uh, a porcelain or something statue, but oh yeah, another another you're getting these are like fifty dollar pieces, so that's opening up to another segment of people uh, that can now collect. Yeah, and, and DC's doing their 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 vinyl um, uh, realistic statue series as well, I think. And um, I haven't worked on that's why I say I think, but you know, I think that I think a hundred percent. You know, another professional sculptor now in a comic shop looking at the diamond pieces and saying just that, like, you know what, I, I can't tell the difference between this and resin, really, just by looking at it. And I, I, have, I, ha- I do have a lot of samples of those things. And it's only until you pick it up that you can tell that it's not resin, really, you know? Now, so, do they tell you yeah, at the start of a project that it, what, what material is going to be yeah, made? Yeah, that's to very you? important. That's very important technically. Like, say you're doing an action figure, right? Six-inch action figure. Well, a cape has to be a certain minimum thickness, right? Because it's made out of a certain durometer, rubber, or plastic, and then you know there's there's different um, criteria for statues uh, depending on 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 their scale, you know. So it's you know how much detail will the printer hold, you know, 3D printer hold at this scale, or okay, or or like how thick should this cape be? What's the minimum wall thickness of this cape? You know, so it doesn't break, you know, stuff like that. Definitely. That makes sense. You know, especially like, you know, you're talking about your Wolverine um, animated X-Men, the thickness of the claws or, you know, part of his cow and stuff like that. Okay. It makes a lot of yeah, sense. But you, you definitely have to thicken up stuff like that and you have to fake it a little <clears> bit sometimes um, in order in order to make stuff so that it doesn't break. Breakage is a ama- Breakage is like, I think, like. What's, what's the worst thing that could happen to a collectible is that it breaks, you know? So you want to avoid that at all costs. Mm. Well, that, yeah, especially like, you know, circling back around to like the Batman black and white statues early on, you know, that was a major thing, especially with the capes, you mm. know, the weight of the cape. A lot of times they would break in the box. Yeah. Um, well, they started going, some of them are magnetic now, like the uh, Norm Braveheugel statue is a, 
it came magnetic, so it's detached in the box, and then it just yeah. assembles automatically via magnet when you when you uh, open it. So uh, yeah, how how good was that? Oh skull? man, <laughs> so good. Well, I guess you're interviewing me. I was gonna say I don't, I don't want to talk about myself, but no, you one, to, to go well, most most excite most geek out moments for me uh, was doing the the Marv Wolfman George Perez New Teen Titans multi part statue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was art directed by my friend Brian Walters. And that was just like such an experience. And then to see DC Collectibles do a video where Marv Wolfman and George Perez were there looking at the statue and talking about it. That was just like, that was like complete, you know, geek gasm. That was awesome. like, awesome. yeah, we, we had, uh, we had Marv Wolfman on the show a while back and, uh, I believe we were talking about, uh, about it with him at one point. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I I'm love smiling. I love Marv because he's like in his seventies and he plays more video games than me. So he's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. That's just such a genius, man. I mean, like, I have like a lot of the what was it the Tomb of Dracula stuff? You know, like the Marvel Essentials. Didn't he write those? Yeah. Yeah. Marv was responsible for so much, and like Marv was such a, a self-starter. One of the things we got to talk about with him was. Uh, when he was really young, he started uh, producing his own zines, like, you know, his own magazines that he was putting out. And like he had, comics. like, hero ones and horror ones that he was just self, self-creating. And uh, one of the cool things that came of that was he didn't know it, at, you know, it, it wasn't anything at the time. And he didn't find out till years later, but he was the first person to publish a story from Stephen King. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's fucking crazy. But yeah, I mean, that, that's the cool thing too. Like, you know, by working for the, or by working in this industry, industry, I've gotten to meet. Like, I told you what a, I'm. A, I'm going. To, I have a Jack Kirby Silver Surfer tattoo, and I'm going to get a Neil Adams Dead Man tattoo. Oh wow, uh, that's awesome! After right after Christmas, on the other arm, you know, I've gotten to meet Neil Adams multiple times. And this this Comic Con, I sat down with him for a long time at his, at his booth, and um. You know, I, I got to meet Carmine Infantino. At, well, that was as a fan, but I mean, I've been to parties where I've met, like, I met, I met and talked to Frank Miller for like 15 minutes, and for me, that was one of the highlights of my life. Mm. And I'm Greg Capullo, John Romita Jr., Jim Lee. I mean, the list goes on of the people that you get to meet when you're like when you work in the business. It's just like it's really like a, a privilege. You know, mm, Frank, Frank meeting Frank Miller for me was just like that was like everything. That was just that was like everything. Yeah, did, I you, show him, did you show him your figurine that you designed for the Blu-ray? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just basically was like, you know, oh, I was trying not to cry. I'm serious. <laughs> I was just it was it was an amazing experience. It was at a Comic Con party, and um, it was just he was so humble and kind and and. Uh, attentive like you know like he didn't he he, he really was gracious with his time yeah you know? he's a cool guy you know yeah i always pictured him as just this you know you know reclusive genius and probably wouldn't want to be like jd salinger or something like that and he's he's a hundred times the opposite you know he's just he's really really a wonderful warm and he appreciates his fans and he's just awesome you know but really, most people in the industry, I find, are that way. Like one, one of the coolest things of doing what we've been doing is uh, being able to get as close with uh, creators as we are. And you just the number of people that you get to, you know, spend time with, either you know, 
doing this or being at conventions and spending time with them is everyone in the business is pretty awesome. Well, one, I got a funny story. Uh, yeah. I, was at, I, was at a, I was at a San Diego Comic-Con. I've met Jim Lee a couple of times and um, talked to him, actually, you know, near Comic-Con and other places. So I went up to him at SDCC and I was so starstruck that I kind of like got a lot. Didn't forget that, but I went up to him and I said, Hi, hello, Mr. Lee, you know, I'm a big fan. I work work for you via DC Collectibles as a freelancer and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I, I know, Joe. And I'm like, and one last time favorites, and I just wanted to let you know that it's really an honor to meet you, like, Joe. I know who you are, Joe. And I, and then he started, he kept saying that, and like kind of started backing away, like I was like a stalker, you know. And I was like, there you go, man. It was that was that was. I sometimes talk to him since, you know, I was talking to Comic Con like two years ago, but um, yeah, I really embarrassed myself with that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think we've all been there uh, on some degree. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've made mortal enemies with one very famous comic artist that I did some work <laughs> with. Um, I won't name him or her or anything like that, but um, it was just a mutual misunderstanding, I think, that turned into like something really ugly. And then uh, that, was, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was years ago. Decade, Blink twice if it's Rob Liefeld. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 met, I met Rob Liefeld at the uh, New Fifty Two launch party. He sculpted his It was a DC Comics New York Comic Con party, coincident with the launching of the New Fifty Two. And he he was he was he was as nice as can be, man. He he was doing Hawking Hawking the Dub at the time, and uh, he autographed it for me. And he was super cool. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of stuff he's been saying lately online, but you know, I mean, the guy did so much for the industry. Whether or not you like his art or think his Captain America has like <laughs> chest is too big, the guy is you know pioneered creators' rights, and he has made. How ironic is it that Rob Liefeld, right, his artwork and, and you know, Youngblood and all that stuff, that Image is now the preeminent independent comic publisher. You know, they put out some of the most avant-garde comics out there. And, yeah. like, it's not ironic. I mean, it's just like, I'm talking about just, just Rob Liefeld. It's not ironic that Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri and those other guys were attached to it. But, but you know, I, when I think of independent comics, I don't think of Youngblood. You know, um, in terms of like, you know, artsy comics and stuff. But they published some really, really badass stuff. I mean, do you guys ever see the revival of Profit? No, I didn't read it. The old Dan Platt. Remember Dan Platt's Profit? Well, they reinvented it. So it's like this Mobius science fiction, like the Odyssey. It has nothing to do with the original series, but it's the same character. And it's just amazing. Like Image does some really cool stuff. Yeah, um, th- this is a good time for that, for uh older older characters and older properties that had fallen by the wayside being reinvented uh by people who were maybe fans of it back when it was around and are now prominent creators like valiant did great uh with their sort of relaunch and bringing back all the all the books like exo man war and bloodshot and jeff lemire was doing that bloodshot uh series where everyone on the book was winning awards I was supposed to do a bloodshot statue. I actually designed one for a company, and then um, it didn't happen. And uh, the, I think they actually wound up doing it with with a different sculptor. But um, that would have been cool because I really liked Valiant. Um, I think that, that 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 they were a great company then, and they they do really great stuff now. 
just as a tangent, I mean, uh, uh, going off on a tangent, take a, you want to take a mainstream comic that has an indie comic feel. I think with Grant Morrison's doing with Green Lantern, bananas. It's like that's my favorite book out there right now. It's just awesome. Well, speaking of Green Lantern, you've got an awesome statue coming out in January, right? The DC Gallery by Diamond Select. Oh, is that coming out in January? I think so. That's what oh, it's that's slated great. for. Uh, yeah, I'd be excited to see that in, in stores. Um, art directed by Chuck Terciera. I always say his name incorrectly, and he's my boss over there. <laughs> and it was designed It was designed by um, a fellow named Sean Knapp. He was the, the designer on that. And um, it was really challenging to do because, you know, he's got the translucent layer of, of construct armor. So that was pretty cool. To and see it's got it. that cool sweeping base, too. I mean, I yeah, really like this. Design. That was all, all credit to the design. And it was that it was it was difficult. I, I was just my biggest concern was like that it didn't fall over. I needed to figure out how to get the center of gravity without it, without even without being able to really pick it up or anything. You know, because it was in the digital space. Right. So, that, yeah. Do you that, ever that have was... to do that? Do you ever have to, like, you know, you, you get a design in and you have to work, like, the physics of it, right? Well, you and... know, most of the time stuff's, like, stuck on a base and it's just like, it's like a snowshoe kind of carries it. Uh-huh. But in, in this case, the piece was the base, you know, like that, that, the, the, where, where the, the, where the, the the swoop ends on the ground, right? On that square foot, on that polygonal footprint, rectangular footprint, that is the base. And so, you know, where Green Lantern is, he going to tip it over? Is he going to be too? Is he going to be too front heavy because his foot scoots down in front of it? I'm trying to think about it um, in my mind. Yeah, I'm looking I'm, at it on. I'm, a... I'm, I'm lying. I'm actually looking at my sample right. Now. <laughs> But do you ever have to like tweak some of the design to for the actual physics of making, you know, it work? If I think that something's going to be problematic, I'll bring it to the attention of my art director and let them make that call. Okay. I'm I'm uh, I it's like uh I look at the relationship of the art director and sculptor. I think, right? I'm going back like 45 years. I think there was an episode of Speed Racer where Speed lost his vision temporarily. <laughs> so Racer X Racer X pretended that his legs were broke. And so Racer X rode shotgun with speed, telling him which way to go so they could win the race. You know, his older brother, Rex. Right. You know, so that's what it's like. I mean, I feel like I'm speed racer with with and I can't see. And my art director is telling me which way to go. That's the way I feel the relationship is. You know? Okay. Yeah, that's a really cool piece. Thanks. So you've talked uh, you you've talked a bit about some of the uh the things that have been your interests, particularly things that got you into artistry, etc. Are there any things that you haven't had the opportunity to do projects on that uh, that you would love to do? I'd love to sculpt Luke Skywalker. Ah, would young, it be like young old school? Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, Diamond just dark. I mean, General Giant Diamond just solicited that. Uh, I think they didn't they just solicit a Luke Skywalker statue. Uh, where I, I believe they did. That moment where he's looking at the twin sons and you hear that John Williams music in the background. That's my favorite moment of all of Star Wars, anything. I was, uh, I, I, I would have loved to have had that opportunity. Uh, opportunity. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm great. Look, it's going to sound like ass kissy, but I'm just grateful for like, <laughs> but I do have, you know, like for me, like Shazam was a grail gig. I love Shazam. 
love Captain Marvel. Shazam, excuse me. I'll never say Captain Marvel again. Uh, <laughs> talking about Brie Larson and, and that character, <laughs> the Marvel, Marvel version. But I, I um, the, the Alex Ross Batman, I've been able to do the, the Darth Maul, Spider Cyborg for General Giant. So many Grail gigs that I've been able to do over the years. I've been doing it for a long time that uh, I'm just I'm just down for whatever anybody needs me for because I look at every job. I try and look at every job as cool. And if, and if, if it's something that's not cool, I try and look at it as um, Tim Bruckner, you know, world world class, world famous sculptor. I think I saw it either in a Facebook post or, I mean, I mean I'm talking about like 10 years ago or six, seven, eight, nine years ago when I had a different account. Or maybe it's in his in, in a book that he did on sculpting. Tim Bruckner says something like, I make myself a fan of, he makes himself a fan of whatever property property it is he's, he's tasked with sculpting. He, he takes it upon himself to learn everything he can about the, the, the character and what's going on and and he, and he wants and he tries to get behind that as a fan, you know, mentality. He tries to invest himself in that fan mentality so that he can make the proper, you know, tribute to that to that character or property. Smart way to do it, because if you make yourself a fan, then you'll have the passion for details that the the target audience is going to have. Yeah, like I'm, I was, I'm just never like a, a Game of Thrones person, but I, I did some Game of Thrones things for Dark Horse, and I got into it, and I did my very, very best. I, I did a, another statue for Dark Horse, uh, Flemeth from Dragon Age two many years ago. I never saw Dragon Age and never played it, um, but once I once I sculpted the once I sculpted the statue, I did actually I got really into the game. But yeah, I just like uh, learned about the character and got into it. And got the game eventually when it came out because I think I sculpted it before the game came out. I don't remember. I'm probably screwing that one up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of times, you know. But for the most part, my my geekness is like Catholic. I like everything, so you know. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for listening to Bat Force Radio. Bat Fan Forever here, reminding you: don't forget to go out and grab your Smilex products, whether it be soap, shampoo, or ointments with Smilex. You'll get a grin again and again. <laughs> Obviously, you're prone to New York style pizza over like, you know, Chicago deep dish or anything. Uh, no. No. I'm closer to Philly. My family's from Philadelphia, so I'm a Philly pizza guy. <clears throat> See, there's another thing we didn't know. Philly yeah. pizza. What's the difference between Philly pizza and New York pizza? It's better. <laughs> <laughs> the gloves are off. <laughs> so, come on, man. Do you see what I was out? I was out. I was out. I was in Oregon uh, last week, and I, that you talk about with place that has no pizza. <laughs> do you uh, do you sing the Fly Eagles Fly? Then no, I'm not a sports fan at all. I gave it up. Gotcha. Um. Man, I had this really crazy question. I don't even know if this is even appropriate to ask, but I'm going to do it anyway. When you're in public and you pick your nose, do you just like kind of flick it around, flick it off your finger, get rid of the evidence, or are you kind of more wait till you see a trash can kind of guy? No, I just flick it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. No hesitation. Uh, you said Shazam is one of your favorite characters. What 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 is it about Shazam that you really like? It's a 74 TV show that got me going. 
you know? Yeah. And then I got all the, all the, at that time DC was doing the, the, the comic and it was just, I, I love CC Beck's art. I love one of my all time favorite artists, Kurt Schaffenberger. Nobody even knows who that is anymore, but Kurt Schaffenberger for me is a God. Did you ever watch that, uh, old school Spider-Man TV show? Oh, the time Sim- every day, every day. Every and that day. was like, that was my shit, man. When he's like, dun, 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 that music just got me jazzed. <laughs> and, uh, and that was Ralph Bakshi, you know, like that second season. Uh-huh. Like, that got really trippy when Ralph Bakshi took it over. I mean, that, <laughs> like bizarro. Uh, I want to ask that, uh, what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given and who gave it to you? My best friend just gave me this, uh, this advice, you know, and he's just like stuff bothers you. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> really he's like this thing. he's like they fuck it because it really doesn't matter he's like, life is gonna go on and you're gonna be fine so just fuck it yeah <laughs> is this yeah. did i did i did i violate the rating standard here no no no, no man that's no. that's our standard we, we, we have no standards <laughs> If you could have dinner with one person who has lived throughout history, dead or alive, who would it be? David Bowie. No, um, I think we had. I think someone said David Bowie before, so that's cool to have a repeat. I think it's the first repeat. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. So you could fly to Philly for some pizza and get right back home, huh? Just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> or fly, fly away from Oregon for some pizza. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday? Christmas. And I'm not religious, but I just love, I've, I've got got a big family and I just love Christmas. Yeah. Plain or peanut M&M? I don't eat candy. I don't, I don't like sweets at all. Really? If I, had wow. to, if I had to make a choice, I'd say peanut though. Okay. Just because they're saltier. Don't taste as much like candy. How, mu- how much do you bench press? Uh, you know, um, I just put 245s on each side and do like a bunch of reps, uh, like th- three or four, there's eight reps, like three or four times. I don't have anyone spotting me, so I don't know. But when I was when I was fifteen, I benched two seventy five. I thought that was pretty good back then. But That's really good. That is pretty. Yeah. Good. Now, now I probably can't even bench half of that. You know. So we so we have a tradition where our last guest gave us a question for our next guest, which is you, and then you'll have to give us a question for our next guest, which I believe is Jim Fletcher. <laughs> and it can be anything. Yeah. What did Kelly Jones ask, Robin? Do you... oh, I was so remembered. Somebody. <laughs> I I know what uh who was it Paul Harding asked okay yeah uh, oh, oh, oh yeah shit. Paul yeah sculptor Paul to sculptor Paul and this is this is this is real good you know because this came from Paul yeah Paul asked have you ever cooked anything in a Dutch oven I don't I yeah, I only know what that is because I used to listen to Stern but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh Paul now we should preface that he asked that question because. A horrible question had been left for him by Doc James. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of set the tone. Wait, what? what did, for oh Doc? I'm yeah, t- I can't it, keep track of uh, the the role because I, I, Adam Hughes's question was really funny too. Adam Hughes asked, "When you eat ice cream, does it become pee or poop?" Yeah, I don't eat ice cream. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Yeah, man, that's good yeah, that you don't. I'm good. So, um, Man, will you let Jim? I mean, obviously, he'll know. Jim, you shouldn't have told me that Jim's the next guest because <laughs> I got a great question for him. Okay, okay, okay. why is Joe, why is Joe Mena such a nice guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, 
That's my question for Jim. <laughs> That's good yeah, I, I like telling everyone this story because it's still, I don't know, it seems, I don't know why it seems odd to me, but it seems odd to me that the, I, I think it's because uh, the joke, the questions have been becoming more and more jokes lately, uh, but the most earnest and profound question we ever had uh, a guest leave came from Joey Lawrence. Oh, really? Gosh. Yeah, that, and that it, his question, like, I still think about his question when other people leave theirs. His question was, if you had the choice to live as a billionaire, but you'd only live to be about 65, or you could live to be 100, but live the life of a pauper, which would you choose? Like, what would I choose? Yeah. Pauper, no question. I could live, I mean, I, all I need are a couple comics, I'll be fine. And my kids... <laughs> See, my, I can't remember who it was. Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody. When we posed that question to them, said, "So I have to be." Oh, it was Jonathan Glapian. He said, "So I have to be old and broke." <laughs> I really funny. appreciate this opportunity, guys. Oh uh, man, we appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate. man, we really appreciate you. We we've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. So thank you for yeah, coming on. Thank you. Funny, uh, I actually saw you at San Diego this year. Uh, I was with Paul Harding at the uh, DC Collectibles booth, and I saw you come over there, and you said you said something to Paul, and I'm like, "Oh, that's Joe Mena," but I didn't really? know you at the time, so I didn't say anything. But uh, yeah, next next time I'll say hi. Mm. Yeah, man, I hope I, I saw somebody talk about getting a badge already, and I'm like, I didn't get any emails, so I'm like a little bit spooked right now. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I might be in Paris. I might not be able to make Comic Con, but I, if I'm not in Paris, I'll be at Comic Con. I don't mean to say that, say that in a pretentious way. It's just like. Mm. <laughs> I love Paris. You can go really cheaply. If you just get some cheap tickets and Airbnb it, it's like you can go to Paris for like two people can go to Paris for like twelve hundred bucks round trip. Like mm. doesn't sound like a lot of money, but when you think about it, it's not a lot of money. I'm talking about a week there, you know. Damn. Wow. Wow. And yeah. that's that's like the most visited city in the world too. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I just man, that was like the that was one of the greatest uh, most enlightening experiences of, of my life as a sculptor was going to see that work there. Mm. It just changed everything for me. Oh, yes. Even as a collectible sculptor, really did. You got good foundational roots, and I think that's why uh, all the collectibles you uh, bring to life for us are so good. So uh, we really thank you for that. And, uh, no, and, and your time you. talking with us, man. Thanks again so much for everything. Um, and, uh, and we'll be in touch. You're the reason... Gramps is Grandpa Batman at this point, so That's amazing. Yeah, you're my daddy. <laughs> and on that note, that was weird. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. I really, really appreciate it. It was fun. Hey, Gotham dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy. All of your Batman and DC needs.